Today our text comes to us from Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit of that is to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit of that is to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap for the measure for with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. This morning, I'd like to invite you to, to witness the wonder of God's radical love that he has poured out abundantly onto you. And then as Jesus shares that radical love with us, it, it moves us to love others, and not just the ones we already like, but our enemies. Now, all of this is in the context of how you live out your Jesus adventure for the way that you speak, the way that you talk, the things that you do, how you carry yourself through difficulties with faith. When people, because of your faith, hate you, curse you, abuse you for your faith, not just for any reason, but because of your faith. And in fact, I'd even wager to say if people aren't attacking you because of your faith, maybe your faith could be leveled up just a little bit, to be lived out loud just a little bit more. Because as you live out your Jesus adventure, it's going to result in people who emotionally and physically and verbally harm you. But trusting in Jesus and the kingdom now, the world put right, you are to respond with this radical confidence, this extreme peace in knowing that your reward is great in the kingdom of heaven. To have that kind of courage. To experience hate because of what you believe. How to respond to people who hate you for your faith. But Jesus says, do good. To respond, not just do a knee-jerk reaction that responds in kind, but to, to respond in a kind way. That when your enemies struggle or they get ill or sick, that you deliver to them a meal. Or if you hear of a need, you, you seek to, to find a way to fill it or organize a group of people to help. And the gospel is demonstrated in the love that you share for the person who hates you. Sharing the gospel is loving one another, especially your enemy. To those that curse you, to that they, they verbally wish you poorly, to wish bad things happen to you. Your response is 
to bless them, to do good for them, to bless them behind their back, to speak well of them when they're not around, that you you don't take the opportunity to stab them in the back. You put the best construction on what it is that they say. And then for those who would physically harm you, for those that would, you know, that, that this concept of turning the other cheek, it's incredibly hard to do. And, and does that mean that you're never able to defend yourself or those that you love or those that are, are helpless? And it's important when we talk about this particular piece of our reading that we remember that there are two different kingdoms in which we live. Right? There's the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the world put right that we are yearning for and waiting for that we have now in which we're supposed to respond in loving our enemies. And then there's the second kingdom, the earthly government in which we live. And and God has given power and authority to the government to, to guard and protect and maintain and keep safe. We're talking in this text about the first kingdom, the, the kingdom of faith in which we live. That we're not supposed to weaponize the church or use it to abuse other people. But when people seek to harm and hurt and injure us, to not retaliate, even if we can, but to be at peace. There's a, every time I read this verse, I go back to an episode of Little House on the Prairie. Um, for those of you who don't know, just a really interesting kind of movie that our TV show series that ran forever and ever and ever. And uh, it follows the Ingalls family through this adventure of, of what it looks like to live in the in kind of in the frontier. And Pa is this amazing character. And you know, Pa is like, he just somehow always has the right answers, the right words of wisdom or faith or, or the opportunity to, to pull out his fiddle and, and play uh, some music and, and dance and bring joy into his family. But every once in a while, um, there was a particular scene that got etched in my, my head. And, and there's a scene where Pa takes a punch right to the face. Right? And then as a good Christian, Pa does this. And he shows his other side of his face, which receives another great solid punch. And then Pa's line was, I turn my other cheek. And essentially, now it's on. And Paul just starts railing on the guy. And you know, on inside, you're just like, yes! And we love those kind of moments, right? When, when, the, when you, you've got a Liam Neeson character in a movie who is, who is doing all that he can to get his family back together or, or some, some kind of just revenge kind of movie. And that's inside us. We like to, and Paul just, he got it, right? Like, I turned the other cheek. You hit that one too. And, and now it's on. And so I wanted to see this clip and I, I looked for it because everything is on YouTube. And I looked for it on YouTube, and, and apparently, Paul lost his cool a lot more often than I thought. <laughs> because there were scenes after scenes after scenes. In fact, there was a, a compilation uh, video that was put together that the title of it was, Paul Punches Out Everyone in Walnut Grove. <laughs> and that one was my favorite. It was just like, just... But that's, that feeds that kind of desire that we have inside to just put things right ourselves. To fight back stand up and Jesus says no don't don't do that I want you to love your enemies and love has nothing to do with fists this is really hard I I think as I think about it and reflect in my own life um, I'm much more inclined to receive and take 
harm and physical injury. Uh, I, I can take that. But if someone's threatening my wife and my daughter, that's a whole other thing. And Jesus says, I want you to respond in, in peace. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that if you're in an abusive situation, you just sit there and take it. Because that's not at all what Jesus is talking about here. Because his response to people who harm you physically, I love this. His response is pray for them. And you know what you can do at a distance? Pray. And if you are in a, a harmful situation, get out of it. If you're a young person, tell a, a trusted family friend or, or somebody that, that you have a lot of faith in. If you're a spouse that's stuck in an abusive relationship, remove yourself from that harm. God's desire is not for you to endure and endure and endure. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. I love the fact that his response to somebody who's physically harming you is something that can be done at a distance. Pray for them. And then steal. This word, this world, we, we love to lend, right? We, we love credit. We like, we like to be able to buy things that we don't have money for today. And, and that's, uh, that's something that, that my generation in particular struggled with is, is we got right out of college and we, we saw everything that our parents accumulated for their entire life that took them to accumulate everything and we want it right now, right? So I want everything that my mom and dad has. So we, we go on credit and of course credit companies love it because it's like, 200,000% interest for every dollar you spend. And the world makes money off of that. And Jesus says, I want you to be more gracious and generous than that. If you lend, don't keep track. Now, this is no way to run a country. And that, again, this is not the second kingdom of, of government, where if a government were just to say, hey, we just give, give money. And, wait, 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 that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> didn't think that one through. But Jesus says, I want you to be so generous that when you see a need, you fill it with no expectation of getting anything in return. Give and it will be given to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And as, as I was studying that this week and all of these commands that Jesus was giving about how to love a neighbor, and I had to love an enemy, excuse me. It struck me that Jesus is really unpacking some of the commandments, right? We hear and hear the fifth commandment, the seventh commandment, the, the eighth commandment, right? To, to not cause physical harm to somebody, to not murder, to not even think hateful thoughts. Right? Jesus says, you, you've heard that, that you're not supposed to murder, but I tell you this, if you are even hating your neighbor, you're, you're guilty of the fifth commandment. And then that seventh commandment, not to steal. And the eighth commandment, to not bear false witness, to put on the best possible construction on everything that you can. And I love that these commandments that God gives us, they sound like a lot of negative, negative things, right? Thou shalt not, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. But there's always a positive component to it. Right? Because a part of the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, is this command and insistence that not only do you not murder your neighbor, but you, you look out for their best interests, physically speaking. You know, not only do you not steal from your neighbor in the seventh commandment, but you also help your neighbor preserve and protect what's his. 
And not only do you not spread rumors in the Eighth Commandment, but you speak well of everybody in the Eighth Commandment. See, the, the commands are not just what not to do. They're also telling us what we're supposed to do. And, and I love the fact that Jesus, when he gives this, this sermon, he's sharing with his people that, you know, there's, there's people among you, and myself included, that we like to respond in kind. We like to escalate the situation. But Jesus says, I don't want that to happen. I, and, and not only do I not just want you to, to, I want you to stop retaliating, but I don't want you to do nothing. Because right? what I want you to do is, is something new. I want you to love them back. When they hate you, love them in return. And I kind of see this as a, as a transmission because right, we're going in reverse. We are locked into reverse, doing all the revenge stuff that we love to do. And not only does God say, I want you to just stop, and not only do I want you to put it into neutral and do nothing, I want you to put it into drive. I want your faith to be put into drive so that you actively respond to hate with love. And when you start to think of it in these terms, then this whole reading is a whole lot less about commands and so much more about matters of the heart, of how you think of people, of how you respond to them, to love. And I spent some time this week wrestling with that question of why. Why are we to love our enemies. And, you know, there's, there's a simple answer to that because Jesus said so. And, and if Jesus says one thing, I'm going to believe it regardless of if it makes sense to me or not. So he says it, so I believe it. It's a command, so I'm going to do my best by the power of the Holy Spirit to do this, to love my enemies. So that's one reason why. As I was talking through with some, some gentlemen this week, they thought, well, boy, if we just all loved our enemies, the world would be so much better, right? This, this world would be absolutely amazing. There'd be so much more peace and calm. And I said, well, maybe, but you're giving your enemy a lot of credit that if you love him back, he's going to stop hating you. Because in these verses, everything's in the present tense, which means it's, it's happening now and it'll continue to happen. When they hate you, and they will hate you, and they will continue to hate you. You know, your love for them isn't expressed so that they see the error of their ways and feel guilty inside and go, oh, maybe I'll just be nice. More than likely, they'll continue to take advantage. So it's got to be for another reason besides that. And doing more prayer and thinking and discussion really led me to the, to the understanding that God does not want your heart and your soul to be injured any more than it already has been. That when you hang on to and harbor resentment and let it fester in your soul, it does damage. It's a poison inside of you. And God knows the love and the joy that's associated with forgiving. God knows the love and joy that's associated with actively pursuing enemies with love. And he knows the life that it brings out of people. And so he doesn't want you to anymore be holding on that poison of resentment and anger and retaliation. He wants you to let it go. And he wants you to love. Right? And then there's that whole, by doing these good things, you'll be heaping burning coals on their head kind of thought, which I always used to love. I'd be like, I'm going to get you uh, in eternity. I'm going to do nice things to you now, so heaping coals are heaped on your head, and eventually you'll be sorry. 
Jesus doesn't say it that way so that we understand that someday, someday you'll get what's coming to you. He says that to us so that we understand that he's got our back, that ultimately what's wrong will be made right. That we don't have to worry about that today. That we can let it go. We can let it go. And we can let it go because when we think about who is whose enemy, every single one of us were born enemies of God. Every single one of us was born with, with original sin just soaking in our souls. And that sin makes us enemies of God. And God so loved us, God so loved his enemies that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus looked at us as the enemies of God with love and compassion and came to earth to live and breathe in the dust that we do, to love us with a love that is so action-based that it carried him to this cross, this, this agape love, this perfect love, this extreme sacrificial love that conquers all. And because of his incredible, radical love that he poured into us, when, when we realize and recognize how that gift of grace and mercy feels, it changes you. It changes everything. How you see the world. That you see your enemies no longer as your enemies, but people who are hurting and trapped in a cycle of, 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 of anger and rage. And to see them with compassion instead. And it makes it a joy to pray for them. And it makes it a joy to do good for them because they're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. There's a reason they are the way they are. To view them as God does, as, 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 as people who need grace, people who need healing. And it changes you. Uh, I absolutely love the musical Les Mis. Les Mis is... is uh, it's a, it's a French Revolution kind of, of setting, but it's really this story of incredible mercy and redemption. And you've got this, this man, the, the lead role, Jean Valjean, uh, is just an amazing character who, who steals a loaf of bread to feed a starving, uh, and, and he gets in jail. He's hot, imprisoned. He, he tries, to, tries to escape. They double his sentence, and he finally gets out. He's got parole papers, and he finally gets out, and uh, no one will, will hire him because of these parole papers that he's got. And so he decides, uh, I'm going to run away and start all over. Start fresh. And, and he comes into this church where the, the priest graciously takes him in, feeds him this huge meal. He's absolutely starving. He feeds him this huge meal, beautiful silver on the table, gives him a bed to sleep in that night. And still in that thief mindset, he takes all of the, the silver that's on the table, all the plates, all the silverware, puts it in a bag and runs off with the intent that I, I need to sell these so that I can, so I can sustain life because no one will hire me. And of course he's caught and he's brought back into the priest who has just given love, right, to Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean has, has stolen from him. And the priest is so glad that he sees him again. Not with vengeance, but he said, you know what? I gave all these things to Jean Valjean as a gift, the priest says, which you know, the police officer is totally taken aback by. But he said, but, but Jean, you, you forgot the best two pieces. And he pulls out the huge, massive silver candlesticks and gives them to Jean Valjean. He could have gone to prison for the rest of his life or worse. 
and he's given this gift of incredible extreme grace. Now that's exactly where we are in our life, and sometimes I'm guilty of this, maybe you are too, of taking that grace for granted, of really comprehending the place that we are in our sin, in our brokenness, in our desperate need for saving. I had a chance to walk with a couple people this week, people who are really in need of grace. One person needed grace because of, of events that had happened because of something they had done or not done, and then something, the other individual needed incredible grace because something somebody else did against them. And they both shared these incredible feelings of great despair, great grief, great loss, desperation, intense fear and anxiety. Maybe you know that feeling. And it's that they needed desperately reassurance. Um, One of the individuals got exactly that. And the relief and the release You could cut it with a knife, the tears that fell, with the joy and the comfort of knowing that everything's going to be okay. I want you to connect with those emotions this morning. We've already had our sins forgiven through the words of absolution, but we're about to receive this incredible meal. That you can approach this table starving for grace, starving for mercy, knowing that, that without Christ you would be lost forever. And then come with that empty stomach to the table and receive so much more than bread and wine, but the very presence of God. And his, his, his presence in your life, knowing that you need grace, knowing that you need mercy, is not to say, I don't think so. But to fill your cup to overflowing with more grace than you would ever need. And to feel that release and that relief and that joy in knowing that even though your sins are like scarlet, Jesus has just now made you as white as wool. Your soul is repaired. Your life and hope is renewed. Your future is safe and secure. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we love and praise you for your incredible grace the ridiculous amounts of your love that you share with us. God, help us embrace that today, to to be fully aware of all that you have done for us, to grow our, our gratitude, our appreciation. Let it be vibrant within us. So much so, God, that we can't just hold it to ourselves, but we we long to experience the joy that you know as we release that love into the world, especially into the lives of those who seek to harm us because of you, and to know that joy of that abundant love. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.